Alan looks like the only man to have ever really, truly, honestly fitted the name Alan. The name is like a tailored suit to him. He is 63, has a slightly round face and an almost full head of long grey hair. He is on the larger side with a waist that normally peeks out from under his t-shirts. He likes to wear a Fleetwood Mac shirt. The C is faded, so it reads Fleetwood Ma. He has worn the same pair of Marks and Spencer's brown loafers for nearly ten years. He says they were fashionable when he got them. They weren't. He lives alone in a semi-detached on the edge of the Cotswolds. He was married when he was 25 and divorced at 26. Alan used to teach history at a local secondary school. He retired at 59 and now tutors online. Mostly, though, he spends his time working on a peculiar hobby. In 1982, there was a chat show on Channel 4 called The Christopher Collins Show. It was hosted by Christopher Collins, an end-of-the-peer-type comedian trying to transfer into a more serious mould of presenter, writer and all-round thinker. Collins even directed a low-budget horror film called Crimson. He somehow got funding in Italy, but that's a whole different story. The leap was a difficult one. Previously, he had appeared as presenter on family game shows like That's a Strike and Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is. He sounded like this. So, Catherine... Says here, you've recently been doing up your garden. <laughs> oh no, come on now, come on now, less of that. Uh, we'll trim the heads at some point. He desperately wanted to stop telling jokes, so pleaded to get the Collins show on air. It was meant to be a live, late-night chat show. On a minimal set consisting of two chairs, Collins was supposed to do an opening monologue, followed by a long-form interview with one celebrity per episode. He wanted to do hard questions and deadly serious topics. The show was pulled off air after half an episode. Literally, it was pulled mid-broadcast. Never to be seen again. Collins died shortly after in a car crash. He was drunk out of his mind. He opened the Collins show like this. So, here we are, episode one. We have cast away the ropes attaching us to the harbour. We're off to the new world. What magnificent treasures of anecdotes and wisdom shall we find across these treacherous and uninhabited open waters? Collins, shattered by nerves, was outrageously drunk. When the show was commissioned, he was down on cash with a lifestyle of booze and horse racing. He had just divorced his second wife and had a new, younger wife he met on the set of Crimson. Expenses were racking up, and he was caught between fighting for survival and reigniting the flame that was his brand. He was also outspoken against Margaret Thatcher. There are rumours of an assistant finding him throwing darts at a picture of Thatcher in his dressing room. Broadcast July 3rd, 1982, the Christopher Collins show cut off after 32 minutes. Collins was speaking to... American actor Charles De Vincent, who sounded like this. Well, really, I always want to make films about the average American, and there ain't 
There ain't no better, more kind-hearted person than the average American citizen. De Vincent was a rootin' tootin' all-star American hero. Colin's questions were slurred, often meaningless. His remarks were strange. Alan, in the summer of 2006, became obsessed with a theory. He remembered watching the show when he was younger. He thought Collins was a dreadful comedian, but he was struck by the mystery of it all. The press release said there were creative differences, but Alan felt there was something more there. He discovered a forum called chriscollinsspy.com. On it, a group of people like him suggested that Collins was working for the KGB and that the jumbled remarks were actually codes, signals to Russian spies within Britain. Alan has a large board next to his TV. It shows a timeline of the episode with quotes and annotations. Two minutes and 36 seconds. Sussex is lovely. Some great golf in Sussex. There is much debate about this, but the forum notes that the next day after broadcast, Tim Renton, MP for Sussex Mid, drove his car into a ditch when he realised the brakes didn't work. Alan has argued relentlessly that Collins was sanctioning a hit that never succeeded. His thesis was that the brakes were cut by a nearby agent disguised as a dog walker or neighbour or plumber. He hasn't quite worked out the details. The forum fights constantly over meanings and indications of Colin's remarks, but the big one for Alan is at 31 minutes, 2 seconds, moments before the show was pulled. Do you like Britain, Charles? Berkshire, in particular, was lovely in late July. Colin says this and immediately falls off his chair in a drunken heap, repeatedly exclaiming that he didn't mean what he'd just said. Then, darkness. Alan thinks he was referring to Aldermaston in Berkshire, the former RAF base home to Britain's nuclear weapon technology. Maybe he was telling Russian spies to attack on the base before realising he'd given the wrong order. Alan says he is in love with his hobby, but it is more like an occupation. The week goes like this. Mondays, Zoom with the Collins Investigation Squad, five guys from the forum. Tuesday, 1982 General Background Research. Researching the year. Newspapers, trade union magazines, radio. Wednesday, Codes and Puzzles Research. Thursday, Russian Language. Alan is not very good at this, but thinks it might give him an insight. Friday, end of week Zoom meeting with the Collins Investigation Squad. Final thoughts from the team's work throughout the week. Any new discoveries and points of discussion. He plasters the wall with newspaper cuttings, photos, drawings, maps and transcripts. It looks like he is on the hunt for a brutal serial killer. However, he has yet to make a breakthrough. He desperately, desperately wants to know the truth, even if he's not entirely sure what that means. Someone starts a thread on the forum. Have VHS tapes might be of use? Pip a lot. Philippa or Pippa or Pip lives in Bristol. Philippa or Pippa or Pip is 61. She is 5 foot 5 with a friendly, thin face and short blonde hair. She wears long, flowing dresses with extravagant and sometimes challenging patterns. She buys incense in bulk and the last time she visited the spiritual town of Glastonbury, she spent an hour and a half in one crystal shop. 
she has a cat with a long-standing stomach issue. She mentions this to visitors, feeling like it is an important thing that needs to be said. It is, in fact, not an important thing that needs to be said. Philippa teaches yoga to the over-fifties. She spent her life writing for small publications such as Canals Monthly, which sadly doesn't exist anymore. She wrote an article about yoga for the over-fifties in the Sunday Times supplement back in 2015. The article was framed in the toilet, a photo of her looking directly into the eyes of whoever might be using the throne at that time. Alan replies to her message, Out of the Collins investigation squad, he is the nearest. On a rainy Wednesday afternoon, they meet at a chain pub 15 minutes walk from the train station. She has a shandy, he has a half pint of orange juice. This in turn makes Philippa feel faintly self-conscious. She anxiously tells him she's not a big drinker. Alan says, I would have a beer, but I recently had a slight gout flare-up, so I don't think I should. Understandably, a period of silence follows. They talk for a bit, about Bristol, about trains, about retirement, about yoga, which she mentions Alan should try. Alan sees the meeting as a vetting process. In his mind, she could very well be MI5, MI6 or GRU. The cat with a long-standing stomach issue could very well be a cover. They get to the reason they're both there. Philippa's late husband used to obsessively archive film and TV, recording live programmes, collecting rare films. In their garage, he had hours and hours and hours of VHS tapes of all manner of programmes and films. Boxes and boxes of obscure things no one had ever heard of. Philippa tells Alan the boxes have taken up all the floor space. Unfortunately, her husband refused to label anything whatsoever. Philippa is sure she found her husband watching something with Chris Collins. She only caught a glimpse, but it could be something, and it could be something useful. She wonders why she's talking to a man on a forum about VHS tapes that she should just throw away. They say their goodbyes and exchange mobile numbers. Alan goes home and tries yoga that night. The last time he stretched for anything was 2012. Might be about to make major discovery, he posts on the forum. Be careful, spies everywhere, says Brendan360. Alan journeys to Philippa's house the next week. It is a small, crumbly-looking house on the edge of a village to the west of Bristol. Walking in, he notices a distinct smell of cinnamon, furniture with exotic patterns and a wooden sculpture of a horse. The tiny garden at the back has a small patch of grass and a plot growing lettuce. Most notably, he sees Philippa owns far too many wind chimes. When he moves through them, they sound like this. Then starts the long task of combing through every single VHS in Philippa's garage, looking for clues. He watches game shows, children's shows, news broadcasts, bloopers, test footage, home videos, all sorts of things. Alan sits on the floor and scrubs through each tape relentlessly, converting them to digital and combing over every minute, hoping to find something, anything, that could point to some higher truth. His posture is awful, his eyes become strained. 
He takes a break, stopping to have a cup of tea with Philippa and stroke the cat. They come to a decision, that maybe he should go through the footage once a week. It would be impossible to do it all in one sitting. They go with Thursdays, Alan's Russian language day. He's been doing it for four months and can't remember a single word. The next Thursday he arrives again and sets himself up in the garage. He plonks down his equipment and continues going through what is essentially a lot of junk. He breaks to sit with Philippa in comfortable silence. They sip tea with oat milk. She can't stand the idea of a cow going through all that. And perhaps she's right, thinks Alan, making a mental note to get oat milk the next time he's at the shop, the barista one, because the normal one curdles in hot drinks easier. On the mantelpiece next to a chunk of crystal, there's a picture of Philippa, her late husband, Peter, and her daughter, Cass. Peter died of a heart attack seven years ago. He was tall, slim, kind. Cass lives in Australia with two children and a husband. They visit in winter every year but haven't been able to for the last two. Philippa sighs heavily mentioning this, and somewhere inside his brain, Alan feels this weight. It's not altogether unpleasant but he's not felt it for a while. He looks at her, the photo, the people around her that have since dispersed, and wonders what it feels like to lose that net of people. He supposes that's the way it goes for a lot of people, but doesn't know if he'll ever feel anything more than the dull weight he feels now. His marriage at 25 was a disaster due to the unavoidable fact that they didn't really like each other. They divorced after seven months, He's had relationships, but for a long period of time, he's become acquainted to being alone. The routine continues for a few weeks. Thursday morning, he arrives at 10.30, gets to the tapes. He breaks for lunch and they have tea in the garden. He feels bad about how much of her tea he drinks, so he buys her some speciality stuff from town. He leaves in the early evening. What are the people on the forum like? Philippa says to the odd man with exceedingly well-worn brown loathers. She notices his eyes widen, like he's woken up. It's perhaps a little on the nose, she thinks, but that's how meaningful conversation starts. She likes the way he strokes his stubble in one long gesture when he tries to think of what to say next. He looks like some armchair philosopher. He leans forward when he talks about the Collins show. It is strange to her that the two of them have crossed paths. He says he doesn't really know what they're like. Perhaps like him? They talk for an age. It goes six and then Philippa suggests fish and chips from the place up the road. They eat sat in their chairs with the plates on their laps. The car doesn't start as Alan tries to leave Philippa's that evening. It's an old, battered Saab that he never drives further than ten miles in. It sounds pathetic as he tries to get it running. He gives a look of resignation and fumbles through the glove box for the insurance number that he keeps in a disintegrating folder marked Car Stuff. Alan bought the cheapest policy he could get, because he never breaks down. Philippa says in a forthright manner 
that he should sleep on her sofa and fix it all in the morning. So he does. He's far too large for the tiny sofa, and the duvet smells like incense. Nonetheless, he thinks it's exceedingly kind of her. Any updates? writes Brendan360 on the forum. Nothing yet. Sorting through the backlog, Alan replies. Alan's car is picked up and he gets a lift from the breakdown man. It's two weeks before he gets back to Philippa's. The next time he goes, Philippa prepares a chocolate cake. The trick is potato, apparently, as it helps create a moist texture. They reason that after missing two weeks, Alan should double the number of days he goes to Philippa's for lost time. It becomes Tuesday and Thursday. They take more tea breaks. They shop for lunch ingredients at the local market. Alan continues with the VHS tapes. They laugh together, they talk, they sit and watch University Challenge. Alan finds it particularly thrilling when Philippa seems to guess the answers almost every time, but gets a great deal correct. He's astounded by the fact that she reads books voraciously, and then never feels the need to talk about them. He couldn't imagine not wanting to tell people his thoughts on a book he'd just read. Philippa thinks he's gentle, and a little bit grubby. But it's nice to see people passionate about things. And he doesn't get uncomfortable in silence. And she likes that he makes a big thing when she makes something like a croque-monsieur. That's not to say he doesn't cook. Sometimes on Thursday he makes a roast for lunch. But he celebrates it when she cooks. It's nice having him around. Then, one Tuesday evening, Alan gets to the last tape. His hand goes a little limp. Philippa hands him a cup of tea and a custard cream biscuit. Notices his eyes look silently sad. Shall we watch it together, she says. As it transfers to digital, they sit and watch. It's a Spanish soap opera for some reason, without subtitles. So Alan and Philippa make up what they think the characters are saying. And then the video cuts. There's a fuzz, a black screen. Alan is suddenly painfully aware that he hasn't found anything. That his research is going nowhere. But then he sees the minimalist set of the Colin show in all its glory. The camera seems to be positioned at the back of the theatre and is on a tripod. The place is empty, everyone home for the day. Apart from Collins himself at the front of the stage, unlit and crying softly into his hands. And then the video finishes. And Alan wonders, maybe this proves everything and maybe it proves nothing. He wonders what his life would be like if he knew the answer. He thinks of Collins, alone, the lights in the studio fading. Alan and Philippa look at each other. That's it. They look at all the VHS tapes, all the hours and hours of footage, now on a hard drive. Philippa realises the mountain of video she'd been storing and thinks of what was on those tapes. Images of people smiling, crying, shouting, kissing. It's strangely warming to see it all there, human experience collected in all its chaos but also, inevitably, 
a significant part of her husband is gone. Alan sees the look in her eyes and places a hand on her shoulder. They have a glass of wine and eat a ready meal lasagna. There's a sense that this is it for them. Alan has no more footage to crawl through. They'll continue with their lives, Alan ploughing hours into researching a programme that he knows all there is to know about. Philippa teaching yoga, adventuring to the local market. At the door it feels like an ending. They don't hug. Then, Alan says, See Thursday? To do what? Philippa says. I thought we could go to the seaside. Western Supermare. On an overcast, windy day, they sit on the beach and have ice cream in a cone. Sorry guys, nothing on the tapes, Alan writes on the forum.